Are you curious about, interested in, or working within the field of anesthesiology and you are a woman, person of color, or otherwise do not fit the stereotypical image of what an anesthesiologist looks like, then this is the podcast for you. We will discuss what life is like on the other side of the blue drape for us. Issues most relevant, such as what is anesthesia really? And we're not talking textbook definition. Tips for applying, success in residency, life as an attending, and beyond. Join us each week as we take a dive into this rich and often misunderstood field. This is your host, Dr. Alicia Peterson, and welcome to Sivo Sisters. Hey, y'all. I almost did not complete my anesthesia training. My CA1 year, one of my first cases was a carotid endarterectomy. The patient was obese, OSA, hypertension, you know, the usual suspects. We extubated the patient. My attending leaves the room to wake up in his other case. And I was left at the head of the bed and I just had to transfer him from the OR bed to the stretcher. But before we could move him, he coughed one time, appeared a little agitated, face turned red, and his blood pressure started to increase. The surgeons, the attending, the trainees look at me and yell, drop the pressure, given the surgery he just had. Out of the meds that I had drawn up, I literally had readily accessible propofol, fentanyl, phenylephrine, and midazolam. Out of those options, considering his agitation, I chose two milligrams of midazolam, after which he became sedated and stopped breathing. Code was called. My attending rushes back into the room. We knew he was a difficult mass given his OSA. We reintubated him and then off to the scanner we went to ensure he didn't endure any vascular insult to his brain. As we were concerned about the patient's life, I felt mine drifting as well. We then took him to the ICU, vitals intact. Scan was reassuring. The rest of the day, though, was a big blur to me. My mind was on him all the time, praying endlessly. Oh my gosh, I did not enter into this to hurt patients. You know, am I going to be discharged from the program? Why did I choose that drug? Why didn't I know better? Like all these thoughts just rushing through my head. And that night, I called the program director. I was in tears and he (laughs) very awkwardly stated that he was in the middle of having a dinner with his family, but was stepping away and to the best he could uh, expressed that this was a part of the job and that I was going to have to learn how to cope. My attending that I had for the case encouraged me to visit the patient in the ICU the next day. 
And I was so scared. What if, what if the patient wasn't doing well? Uh, or what if he was doing well and he wanted to sue and, and he cussed me out? You know, I, I knew I had to go. And so that morning, first thing, I go to the ICU. And what I see is the warmest, jolliest man no evidence of a tube in place, no evidence of anything happening. He sits up and he says, I can't wait to go home and trim my hedges. He said, I was told by the team, I gave you quite a scare. I've been known to do that. Ha, 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 ha. (laughs) And as the patient is laughing, I smile meekly and I swallow so hard because this patient would never know the guilt that I had carried that was all-consuming and completely deafening. I ask you, if you were to take a megaphone to how you speak to yourself, would it be kind or would it be some of the most meanest critical words one could ever imagine? And if you're in medicine, I bet you it's the latter. Through our training, it's assumed that we'll do great work. We graduated in the top of our class. We're high achieving. Uh, So if we're pulled to the side or offered any feedback, it's usually because something went wrong. And after years and years and years of only being told when something goes wrong, that that does something to you. It makes it so all we then take note of are the things that go wrong. Maybe it took a little longer for you to put that line in or the airway didn't go as smoothly as you would like. Instead of us taking a look at what made those circumstances so unique, it threw us off a little bit. Instead of us seeing that as a a challenge to rise to, we look at it as just another reason to beat up on ourselves. Dr. Una, she's a serial physician entrepreneur and a mentor of mine, gave an excellent example as to how foolish our self-criticism can be. You know, she says, when a toddler is learning to walk, what happens? The child takes a few steps and falls, gets up, takes a few steps and falls. We, looking at the toddler, we would never say, oh gosh, I guess it's just not meant for you to walk. You keep falling. You just keep falling. Just give it up, kid. Nobody would ever in a million years even think that. Instead, what do we do? We celebrate the few steps that they took and we acknowledge that falling is just a part of the process in learning how to walk. That's it. Why don't we apply that same mentality for ourselves? Mistakes and failures are a part of the process in being an anesthesiologist, in being any kind of professional. We recognize that the margin for error is smaller given patients' lives are in the balance, 
However, to beat yourself up on an IV, to beat yourself up on a a line that may have taken you a little longer is not a life or death situation, but yet we do it all the time. You know, our training is tough and we do not learn strategies on how to fortify our minds. Blaming ourselves is not a viable strategy to our growth and development. Blaming ourselves is how physicians end up with higher suicide rates than the general population. In the book, Do Hard Things by Steve Magnus, he offers three ways on how to think and reminds us of our ABCs. I would like for you to think of the word error. Error meaning a mistake. And we just acknowledge that mistakes are needed in order for us to grow into the fantastic individuals we are working to be. And the E is the first way to develop mental fortitude. The E in error stands for externalize. So when things go wrong, actually look at yourself in third person. See, the problem with our self-criticism is that we think we are our thoughts instead of the thought just being a thought. So if you were to say, I can't do anything right, that's a thought. We know to get to this point in your career, you've done many things right. It's great to name yourself critic. Uh, I grew up watching Martin, and there was a character on there named Shanene, who was a total hater, hated on everybody. So when I get such a thought in my head, I say, here comes Shanene cutting up. And what does that do? It diffuses the poison in the criticism, and it allows me to regulate the emotion I feel so that I don't identify with it. So if I'm frustrated and I say something like, oh, I can't do anything right, here comes Shanene, frustrated. And it then allows me to take a step back and say, oh, okay, maybe you just need to step away for a few minutes, take a few deep breaths. I am not the frustration. I am not the thought. Neither are you. The second letter in air is R. Reappraise. And instead of saying, it's taking so long for me to do this fiber optic intubation, oh my gosh, I suck. Think of how this discomfort can be beneficial. You struggling with that fiber optic could be seen as ineptitude. Or it could be viewed that you're learning, you're doing something new. And whenever you're doing something new, it's going to take a little longer to do. All it means is that you need more practice and you'll get better and better at it. So instead of saying you suck, maybe time how long it took you the first time and compare how long it takes you the second time so that you can see your progress and that you are making strides to being that anesthesiologist you've always dreamed of being. 
The third R is reassure. This too shall pass. And as a CA1, I was told that it gets better. Training does get better. And the next thing you know, training will be over. And the next chapter of your life will begin. Now, a key to mental fortitude is acknowledging that we have three psychological needs that we have to satisfy. And once we satisfy those needs, we can endure anything. Here's where the ABCs come in. A, autonomy. In every circumstance in life, you have a choice. Training is hard, and there's a lot that you're told that you have to do. You have a choice as to how you think about it. You can see it as this onerous, horrible thing. Or you could just see it as a stepping stone to you actualizing your dream. You have choices always, every day. If there's things that you don't want to do, then you really don't have to do it. But then you have to live with the consequences of what not doing it means. B, belonging. You're doing this for a reason. Remind yourself of your purpose. What drove you to take this path? What was your dream? Keep that in the forefront always to motivate you to put one step in front of the other. And the C stands for competency. As I mentioned with that fiber optic, um, maybe it took you long to do it the first time, but then each time your time is cut in half. You know, you can see the progress that you're making. Competency is just for you to take a second and reflect over the past two days, how far you've come and what you can do in the next five minutes to make momentum on that progress. That's it. Those are the ABCs. Autonomy, belonging, competency. And getting back to mental fortitude, those three steps are air. To air is human, guys. Externalize, reappraise, reassure. Going back, I would tell the CA1 me, the CA1 me who is devastated and drowning in guilt and shame, this is your first year of training and carotid endarterectomies are complicated cases. You made the best decision given what you knew at the time. Pray for your patient. Follow up with your patient. And talk with the attending about what it is he would have done in that situation. Because CA1, Alicia, actually was so ashamed following that entire situation that she didn't look that attending that she did the case with in the eyes for a long time. The patient has clearly moved on <laughs> to tending to his garden. I I have to also move on. And I would encourage CA1 Alicia to externalize, to acknowledge that that guilt and that shame is not who I am and that this is learning. 
just like the toddler taking a few steps. These are my few steps, and I fell. And it's time to get back up and walk again. I would have encouraged her to reappraise. How can I learn the most out of this situation? I missed out on that learning opportunity to talk to my attending about it. What would he have done in that? In that context? I was so engulfed in guilt and shame, I didn't even take that opportunity. And finally, I would reassure her, this will pass, and then it'll be another challenge and another challenge. All of it to benefit me and grow me into the physician that I so dream of being. Autonomy. I can't change what happened, but I can choose the way I think about it. Belonging. Anesthesiology is is my jam. (laughs) That's why I signed up for this, to learn this, to get good at this. And to serve patients to the highest degree during their time of highest vulnerability in the perioperative period. And then finally, competency. Each year got better and better. And because I spent so much time beating myself up on mistakes along the way, I didn't have that opportunity to celebrate all the wins that I had throughout the year. Don't make the mistake I did. Celebrate your wins every step of the way, no matter how small. We're doing something new. I want to invite you to leave me a voice message with topics you want covered, concerns you have, questions. I will place your question live on the podcast and address it. If you're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to hear my voice. I don't want to be on the pod. Then just let me know in the voice message, hey, I want this topic covered, but I'd rather you not play this clip live. That is fine. You don't even have to leave me any identifying information. This podcast is for you and I want it to best serve you, which would involve me hearing from you. The phone number to leave the voice message is 202-743-1404. And I'll also place them in the show notes. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sivo Sisters. If you love this episode as much as I did, head on over and rate and subscribe so you don't miss out. New episodes drop every week on a Monday because we all can use a little something, something to get us through the week. Am I right? I'd love to hear more from you on the topics that you want to hear. So let me know in the comments. This is Dr. Peterson signing off. See you next time.